Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, everyone. We're happy to be here. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show, and today we're looking at current news events. I would like to remind everybody that Victor is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow in Military History and Classics at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. We have a lot on our agenda today, but first let's have some messages and we'll be right back. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back. And Victor, I know I always ask you how you're doing today and, and anything on your mind for today. Well, I had a, um, a good last week. I was in Paso Robles speaking at a very um, distinguished group of farmers and and just average day people that were at Paso Robles, which has a beautiful downtown now. Just, I grew up passing through Paso Robles on the way to the coast, and it's just completely transformed. Yeah. Was really, that was really a treat to see that. And uh, I spoke in Cornell to some Hoover people. So I came out of my COVID cave and licked my wounds. And <laughs> I'm back in, I'm trying to get back into the game. But, uh, I'm Perfect. making good progress. and uh, Well, you're making good progress, but I was wondering, the there seems to be an epidemic of dementia among the Democratic <laughs> Party. I, just, I was wondering your thoughts on that. Well. <laughs> <laughs> What's Joe's we, latest? So we'll start with Joe. He's now, I mean, if you think about it, it's not arithmetic, it's geometric decline. What I mean by that is he's shaking the hands of dead people. I shouldn't say dead people, ghosts. He turns around, he puts his hands out and there's no one there. And then he's talking to people who were passed away as if he's oblivious that they're dead. And you think that somebody would say to the president, here's the teleprompted script. If you go off it, remember that 
Representative X has Jackie has passed away, so don't mention her. But it's hard to know, though. You know, I, I go back and forth because when he was Campos Mentes, supposedly, you know, he told that poor person who was wheelchair bound to get up, and he he just said stupid things his entire life. The corn, <laughs> the corn pop sagas. So it's just an intensifier. It's a force multiplier. This dementia. Yeah, and so he's losing it. And um, Nancy Pelosi and Fetterman are not much better, are they? Uh, that's a hard call because Nancy Pelosi now is just rambling, and she's her veneer of precious leftism has been scraped away. So you're getting down to the essence of a spoiled San Francisco multimillionaire. $25,000 sub freezing um, refrigerators with, you know, ice cream delivered, boutique, boutique ice cream delivered to her in the pandemic, sneaking around to break quarantine for her hair to be done, that type of entitled person, because she said, well, what's the problem with the border? We're getting all these cheap labor. We need these people to pick our crops. Pick up. So, I mean, it was just fed into what the left has always accused the corporate right of, of exploiting labor on the border by cheap, by cheap wages and then driving down the compensation of American citizens. So she just reified that. And then and I, she's not even aware of it. You know what I mean? It that scene where she during the George Floyd aftermath, where she put on these African colored blankets remember went on one knee in the capital to virtue yeah. signal and then she f flew in her private jet back to her napa or san francisco palace everybody's sick of these people these swarmy grifters her husband you know gets in a you know they lecture us about green energy and small carbon footprints and he's got some high-powered porsche that he runs off the road at 80 drunk and then tries to flash out a little car that he gave money to the police and he needs exemption. It's really <laughs> disgusting. And then we get to Fetterman and he's a little different case because he borders on Biden. And that is, and it's really hard. And I think our listeners are a little ambiguous because we don't want to make people fun of these physical infirmities. I mean, Nancy, I guess that applies to Nancy Pelosi, but these are acute. He's had a stroke. But then on the other hand, you don't go, I mean, I've been wiped out with long COVID comparing big things to small, but I don't go speak. And then somebody says, well, you signed up for a book signing. You signed up for a VIP reception. You've signed up for photo ops. You signed up for regular reception, dinner, talk, Q&A, uh, you know, smoker afterwards or something, nine hours or eight hours. And you don't sign up for that. And you say, oh, I have long COVID. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, once you put your sign that contract, then you have to be ready to go, whether you feel like it or not. And then you have to be judged. And when you get up in front of a thousand people and you say, where am I? <laughs> you don't say, oh, it's my fault. I have long COVID. No, you don't. So he signed up to be president, pushed by his Dr. Jill Biden, Jill. and. So I don't have any compunction. For either him or Fetter yeah. Fetterman. Huh? No, yeah. no. So Fetterman, 
should not be in the race. He's had a severe stroke. Nobody really knows what that bump on the back of his head, some kind of perhaps, I don't know, a conglomeration of vessels or something. It looks like a tumor, soft yeah. tissue tumor or some of some sort. Angiodon. I don't know what it is, but he wears these hoodies and he's a creepy looking person. He's this spoiled, entitled, uh, prolonged adolescent who really didn't have a salary until he was 40. And then he wanted a political career and his family's money subsidized him to go into a very small town and be mayor. And then he decided, wow, I've got to get a persona. So I'm going to tattoo myself, roll up my sleeves, wear hoodies, wear a goatee, shave my head. And I'm going to go from nerd to gangbanger look. And that's going to be man of the people. And that's what he's doing. But the problem is now he can't remember anything. He said, you know, he just talks about the ball of authority or kick the ball. I'm not going to kick the ball. He's talking. I guess he's trying to refer to something odd said or he talks about New Jersey. Or, he's completely incoherent. So yeah. the pencil people should know in Pennsylvania, if you vote for this person, the only excuse to vote for him is that government is toxic. So someone who is completely unhinged would be a better candidate than somebody who knowingly would run the government. That's a hard argument. I can see the logic of it, but it's a hard argument to accept. So he he's out of it. But what's Kamala Harris's excuse? So she goes in just 24 hours and she goes and gives a lecture and says, our ally, the Republic of North Korea. I mean, we lost <laughs> over 35,000 dead stopping the commie bastards. And it's a lunatic regime. Both her parents were PhD. She grew up as an entitled princess. Her mentor was her paramour, Willie Brown. He should have coached her in politics 1A. That is, if you get on a plane... And you're going to fly over there and there's a lot of reporters who are expecting you to screw up, as you always do. Then you get a little binder and it says in big block letters, 20 font, North Korea is a communist bastard. Don't ever praise them. And she can't do that. And then without any shame at all, she starts getting, she thinks every time she gets caught saying, you know, these banalities about the border or foreign policy, or she gets into cackling Hillary mood. She always retreats to what brought her to the party, and that was race. She's half black, and she's half Indian, and she's an entitled princess. But as is true of the Democratic, what is whatever it is that's called the Democratic Party, they have substituted race for class. Yeah, Race for class. They no longer represent people of the middle and lower classes, just the very poor of a particular non-white cohort and the very wealthy. And in that matrix, she thinks she's a victim. So yeah. she naturally then projects that and says, well, we're going to you know, distribute aid in communities of color. So, you know, the Cuban American community in Miami is very, very affluent. And if they didn't really get hit full blast, but if you have some poor white people in Fort Myers, you're going to say, you know what, you're not going to get, get back in line. Why? We help somebody else who doesn't have your name or appearance. That's not going to work. Yeah. And that, that, she just, the left is now starting to pivot and says, you know what? Donald Trump may not be as formidable a candidate as Ron DeSantis. So we're going to tell everybody that he has an abortion restricted state and there's no freedom. That didn't work. 
And now we're saying that because he's a climate denier, then he was he offended the green god and the green god punished all of Florida Floridians because of him with this. That didn't work. And so now she's going to try to say that, you know, we're going to the federal government's going to override him and start doling out free stuff on the basis of skin color. And that's only going to it's going to be like Martha's Vineyard. It's going to feed into exactly what he's saying about these crazy people. Yeah. And didn't just a sideline if they can't get an abortion in in Florida, didn't Gavin Newsom say he was going to be some sort of center for abortions or something? I mean, (laughs) think about it. I I've been driving uh, to speak at a couple places and you just take, you know, I thought, hmm, where do I want to go? Do I want to go down Mountain View Avenue and have it a four-year detour because of the uncompleted high-speed rail or go on the 99 and Death Alley, the most dangerous freeway in the United States? Or do I want to go on the 101 for a while? It, what I'm seeing is his his state is in shambles. Yeah, It's destroyed. You go up to beautiful areas around Shaver and Huntington Lake, it looks like Verdun become these forest fires have destroyed everything and then you look at your uh, filling up yesterday again i was filling up it was a hundred and forty dollars for you know it was almost a half a tank is all i got and i just heard all these people that were just about rioting they were so angry they were cutting in on each other and they were you know it was like a, an arena a roman gladiatorial arena they were so angry and angry at each other and he he's oblivious to this. So then he takes all this thirteen point three income tax money, and he gives five hundred million to illegal aliens for COVID relief. He puts posters or billboards, billboard ads all over the United States to come to California to get an abortion. Think of that. Oh my God! Come yeah. to California to get an abortion. There's no other reason you'd want to come here because five hundred thousand a year are leaving. But come here and we can terminate this child up to the day that he would be or she would be delivered. That's yeah. his message. He's a very satanic figure. You know, we have one statewide officer, Lonnie Chen, and he's running for state controller of California. And he may be the only Republican that has a chance of winning in the last 10 years. But he has pointed out in speech after speech, there's billions of dollars missing from the California budget. Nobody can find it. $30 billion? It was, I guess, COVID relief at the state level, federal funds that were channeled to the state. And no one were, I guess it went to China, it went to Iran, they went to people in Mexico, it went to people in Russia. But it was all fraudulent. You know, it was comparable to what we saw, the same thing in Minnesota. So this state is in shambles. And the idea that he wouldn't be ashamed of what he's done, but he's proud of it. Yeah. It's, it's, and he's so, my point is, Sammy, that when you mention these cognitive challenged people, Joe Biden and Fetterman and <laughs> Kamala Harris and Nancy Pelosi, then put Gavin Newsom in there, too. Yeah. He says things that are absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, he sure does. But, you know, before we go to break, I have a small question because I have a feeling you're going to laugh at me for even finding this article. I don't, I don't know where I found it, but I have a feeling it was a left wing site. But it it was arguing that there is a party now between totalitarian far left who are compromising free speech, practicing censorship and manipulating public opinion through the media and a more center left 
part of the party and that there's the unity of the Democratic Party has cracked. And I was wondering your thoughts on that. Oh, there's one thing to remember about the left, everybody. It embraces the narrative of projection. That's the strategy. Whatever it feels that it is doing and what it is doing is wrong or not successful, it projects on other people. So it says, I don't know. that. I don't recognize the Republican Party. Donald Trump is charismatic. I.e., whatever the last president was who's in civilian life, they praise him and they attack the current president. They say they're MAGA. They say they're ultra-MAGA, semi-fascist, because that party is in disarray. It's been hijacked by the squad, by AOC, by Bernie Sanders, by Elizabeth Warren, and it's flipped old Democrats like Biden and Schumer who were left of center. There is no... There is no reasonable left. Just go down the issues. Yeah. Go down every issue. Who in the Democratic Party would say the following? I, I'm i just trying to imagine what a Democrat would say at the 1996 Democratic Convention. Just bear with me. So I'm at the 1996 Convention, and I'm saying, I believe that a woman has a right to choose, and I support that right, except except in the third trimester, because after all, when a baby's heart is beating and when a baby comes out of the birth canal, you, you can't kill it. I mean, I don't agree with this, but because I think they should outlaw abortion. But my point is, if anybody said that, they would be done, done. They wouldn't be able to, to run. What if they said this? We should have secure borders legal-only immigration, and we've got to protect American workers and the American middle class and have to make sure that we don't undercut wages by corporate price-cutting on labor. They would be done, done, At, done. Today they would be done, but in 96, yes. that was they their position. It. Yeah, They said it all the time. What if they said, man, as Barack Obama, Obama said as late as 2008, I think, the, you know, as a Christian, I think that marriage is a, is a, is a, a bond between a man and a woman in, in Christian terms. You'd be yeah. done, done. So it's that party that has gone off the deep end. And there is no disagreement in that party because every one of those positions I outlined are, what if somebody said today, well, I believe that in global warming, but I believe that we can transition to the conditions caused by global warming, that is, we can embrace sustainable energy and renewable energy, but we have to keep burning clean, burning natural gas. And we have mechanisms to make oil burning, gasoline burning, even coal burning tolerable until we transition. They would be done, done, yeah. done. If you said, I'm worried about global warming strategies because the average middle-class person cannot afford 30 kilowatt 30 cents kilowatt energy. They cannot afford $7 gasoline. It'll break them. They'd be done, done, done. If they said, I believe in the content of our character, not the color of our skin. I believe for assimilation, intermarriage, integration, they would be done, done, done. So they are the radical party. When they say the MAGA party, 
is radical. Just pl- try the same technique. Just say, okay, you're an ultra MAGA. Do you believe in low taxes like Rom- Romney uh, campaign? Yes. Do you believe that we should deregulate like George Bush did? Yes. Do you believe that we should have strict constructionist judges like Ronald Reagan did? Yes. I mean, there's only a few areas of disagreement, maybe on the border, on China, but it's basically a fused Republican Party, but not, yeah. the, not the left. They know that. They're just projecting yeah. all of this dissension that they have onto the right. And, they, and they, there is no dissension. I don't mean dissension they have within each other. The dissension they have from what they once were. No, I, I I think you're right. My experience of the so-called moderate left is they just keep their mouths shut about all those things that they're not so keen on. They, and they, they let they let it go and they it's a necessary evil for if their they, if position. They live in a, if, no, if you're a leftist and, and you live near Stanford Shopping Center or you live in, uh, you know, Seattle or Minneapolis and crime is lapping up at your doorstep. And you can't go to San Francisco or downtown Minneapolis without encountering some horrific homeless person that's defecating in front of you or smash and grab. Or you go into a Walgreens when you're in Washington, D.C., and you can't find anything that's not locked up behind a cage. Or you're in New York City and you see garbage all over the sidewalk and some homeless person with a hammer. What do you do? You know that your policies and ideologies created that. You sort of say, well, I'm just going to navigate around it. I have the yep. money. I have the influence. I have the wherewithal. I'll, I, I'm just not going to look at it because, you know, that's other people's problem. I think they think, oh, that's just the exception to the rule. Otherwise, yeah. we have this wonderful state. I mean, that's what I think they're thinking. I don't think they it's think right. That, but, yeah. <laughs> but they don't. Every once in a while, they have to put their toe into the miasma and yeah. um, the that's what happens to them. They, even Mark Zuckerberg, even Mike Bloomberg, even Warren Buffett, I know they can fly, they can do this, but they're not completely immune from the, the Soros disasters that have been created. Yeah. yeah. And it's getting close to them because when, if you were a Roman senator in 500, you know, 460 AD, and you used to give speeches in what was left of the Senate that, the Germanic tribes, the Oscars or the Huns or the Viscos or the earlier Vandals, they weren't they weren't that bad. And you really didn't have the wherewithal to go up on the Danube and line and stop them. And then they came in that you're not going to be exempted because you have a villa, you know, 20 miles outside Rome no. on a hill. They, they weren't exempted. Yeah. And that, that's what's happening when you have a society in, in free fall. Yeah. No one's exempted. Well, Victor, let's go ahead and take a break and come back. And I wanted to ask you about some of the claims the Democrats are making about their accomplishments. We'll be right back. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. There's something magical about unboxing. 
When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Welcome back, uh, Victor. So I have a list of what the Democrats call their accomplishments, and I would like some of your reflections on them. So I'll give you I'll give you the accomplishments. Yeah, yeah, I know. Exactly. So I'll give you the list and you can comment on whichever one you like. They I'll claim they have each one and then I will editorialize. OK, I'll give one at a time. Absurd. Uh, I know they're going to be absurd. <laughs> they have created tens of millions of high wage jobs. No, they have not. The economy was shut down and we destroyed it. We went down to, what, 25 percent crash in GDP. And then when the economy recovered on a natural upbound and it was recovering when Joe Biden entered office, it continued to uh, recover until he got his legislative disastrous agendas in place and he uh, was ready to push them through, uh, he was the economy was hiring people at a rapid clip that had lost their job, had deliberately stayed home, were social distancing, they were in, in quarantine. So my point is that if you look at the actual number of jobs right at the verge of COVID, say in January 2020, 20, it's not any different than now. He didn't create any. They're just coming back. And he looks at the lowest point to where we are now. And he says, see, they all came up under me. Yeah. So the second yeah. one, oh, are you done? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, the second one is they've made important progress to combat gun violence. Combat gun violence. Okay. So... We are suffering the highest uh, murder rates in 40 years in our major cities. Rape, assault, strong arm robbery are historic highs. And the number of people killed in Chicago and Baltimore and New Orleans and St. Louis is at near record levels. Yeah. The reason that they say that is that they don't count that as gun violence. They mm -hmm. only count gun violence as some... Um, deranged white teenager that goes into a school and shoots stuff. Yeah. But exactly. if you look at the actual number of dead, it's on the rise. And all of the cities that I just referenced have some of the strictest gun control laws in the world. Yeah. And so it's not going to do anything to stop it. We know that the assault weapons ban did not stop violence. The statistics show it. It's just a way of virtue signaling that you're doing something. You're doing something because you can't do anything and you can't do anything because these are ideological zealots that have preserves or no go zones in their ideology. And those ideologies, you don't go into predominantly black Chicago and you don't say most of these crimes are committed by revolving door criminals with long records who are shooting people with guns that are not registered or they're stolen or they're bought illegally. Yeah. And the only way you deal with that is you would have stop and frisk. You would walk down, you see a person who's 
fits a particular profile, you stop them. If they have the gun, you arrest them and take the gun. Or two, you say that if you use a gun during a felony, you're going to have a five-year prison sentence. No matter what, you're not going to get out. No parole. You create, yeah. recreate deterrence. And they're not going to do that. So they're going to talk about all this other stuff because they can't. You can't address the felony. Then you start bragging that you address the misdemeanor. Yeah. So they also claim that they've made historic climate change progress. No, they haven't. The only reason that we are ahead of the targets as listed in 2019-20 in the Paris Climate Accord is that we have made a dramatic transition from burning oil and coal to burning natural gas. And we are the largest producer of natural gas in the United States. The natural gas, while it emits heat, has far less of a fossil fuel carbon imprint. And so yeah. in terms of pollution, as we used to decline, you know, today, if you, if you have a nuclear plant and you're producing heat to, to generate electricity, I suppose that's global warming um, uh, culpability. But because they count heat now as a pollutant. But m what I'm saying is that all of these statistics that show the United States is actually way ahead of most countries and way ahead of in terms of per capita use of fossil fuels that uh, pollute the atmosphere. We're way ahead because of the use of natural gas. And we would be much further ahead if we could use the nuclear um, power plant resources at our disposal. Because we yeah. used to be the leader in nuclear plant uh, production. We can do it better than anybody else. I think even this bankrupt generation can go to the library and look at old nuclear plant handbooks and read what their grandfathers knew and relearn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it seems to me, too, since I grew up in the valley um, in the 70s and 80s, it was a lot more polluted because gas uh, cars were not as sophisticated and that if anything has helped climate change it's the sophistication with which they use combustion engines and prevent the pollution that comes no, out of them they signed up for a lot of solenda like projects that they're going to give their cronies concessions to do this and to do that and to that it won't make that much difference yeah, exactly. I mean, I went in yesterday, some, I got a leaf blower stolen. And so I use it, not that much, but I use it around the farm and it was stolen. So I went to Home Depot. You can't get one in California because yeah. it uses gas, two-cycle engine. So you have right. that battery-powered one. Yeah, that's all what, right. That's the kind of stuff okay. they're talking about. All right. So they this is one of my favorites. They've strengthened the Violence Against Women Act. And I'm just thinking of the border. I don't think they've done anything to help all oh, the violence yes. against women down there. Oh no, my God. They don't. The women are being raped and killed at a greater frequency on the border than they ever have been. If you all you have to do is look at liberal YouTube and just look at what you see every night. And it's some woman stalked by some crazed person who followed her out of the subway and took a screwdriver and blinded her and poor Asian woman attacked. In fact, they're very culpable because when you have this revolving door, big city attorney exemption amnesty for criminals, or you have laws that decriminalize their violence, what you're really doing is turning 
the predator class, uh, you know, you're turning them on, freeing them, liberating them to prey on women. And they tend to gravitate toward uh, solitary women jogging in Memphis that they rape and kill, or a woman sitting at a rail crossing in Memphis that they kill, or they kill, they kick a woman in the head, an Asian yeah. woman down a stairway, or they throw one into the subway. So there's been yeah. more crime against women than anything, and they don't. They won't do anything about it. They don't. Why won't they do anything about it? Why don't? Why won't Joe Biden just say this? We have a historic forty-year crisis of crime spiking in all of our major cities, all of our major cities, and we have to. I'm going to get, and I'm going to get all of our communities together to stop it. And I, and there's a lot of increases in hate crime especially toward Jewish, Orthodox Jews and Asians. And I'm calling upon the African-American community that has a higher rate that's disproportionate with its population to talk to young men that are doing this in disproportionate numbers. Why didn't he say that? He oh, you want, oh, okay. I was going to say, you want me to answer that? <laughs> yeah, I do. Why doesn't he say it's the truth? Yeah, well, because it's trumped by their agenda to right historic wrongs i guess and they they have this it's it's fallacious but they have this idea of that that the people of color and then everybody of course gloms on to being a person of color have somehow been hurt by the white population and that trumps everything but the victims are just as often asian and black women and hispanic women that are being attacked so they don't oh, care about that yeah sure i just saw they a video of a black team. guy yeah it, well yeah i guess i i just saw a video of a black guy came up and out and up behind another black guy and just hit him in the face and knocked him completely out sucker punched it just i can't believe it that's I just crazy. believe it. it it's going on and it's going to go 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 on until it gets to a point where it's unsustainable and then somebody's going to say hmm can't go on yeah and they'll do something about it they'll start to reinstate penalties they'll vote out these districts if they don't they won't have a civilization left and no. the reason that it has not done that yet is that millions of americans Thousands that are listening to us, they make the necessary adjustments. They just don't go to these places. They, they, you know, they have a sixth sense of cost to benefit analysis. Do I want to go downtown to go to get a billing permit? Do I want to go to the courthouse? No, I don't. Do I want to go anywhere in the suburbs lapping around the downtown after six o'clock? Nope, I don't. Do I want to go to a football game downtown? Nope. Do I want to park my car in San Francisco? Nope, I don't. Do I want to take the subway? Nope. Do you want to take BART at night? Nope. Do you want to go into Oakland? Nope. And if you do that, you can navigate around this chaos for a while. But eventually it'll catch up to you. You make one mistake yeah. and you're all through. Yeah. And, uh, you so know. On that note, of, that's all they had that was good. That was all. Well, there were a couple more, but those were the ones that I thought were the most. That's what they're, gonna, they're not going to run on that. They're going to run on. Nope. They're going to run on the right took away your your birthright to have a late term abortion. That's what they're going to run on. Yeah, I know that, that. I suppose I don't know what else they can run on other than the Roe versus Wade re repeal. I can't think yeah. of anything else. These things are not even serious 
Yeah. I mean, are they going to really? I wish they would run on the issues. I mean, instead of the Trump raid and the January 6th, why don't they just say, we finally did it. We got gasoline up to European levels. As Stephen Chu, the energy secretary designate under the Obama administration, promised that we needed to do. We did it almost. They have $11. We have seven. And that was a good thing because you won't be able to afford it. Therefore, you will save up your money for $70,000 Tesla, or you will walk or take a bike. We did it, and we opened the border, and there is no more border. So we don't have to go back to that 19th century idea that we're here, and the other is there. There is no other. There is no us. It's just everybody. And, they, yeah. and we're going to brag on that. And then they're going to say, wow, we inflated it. We got up to 6 7% inflation. That means all those people that have that big wad of money in the bank, they're losing it. And the government is printing $2 trillion a year for people who need it. This is what Barack Obama promised when he said spread the wealth. Joel the plumber was wrong. This is what we're doing. We're enacting the, the Obama agenda at last. And yeah. I wish they could do that. And look what we did. We got our troops out of Afghanistan, and we did it in a humiliating fashion. So we, it was so humiliating, nobody will ever want to do it again. And that was really important. So yeah. I wish they would just be honest. Yeah, exactly. And be honest enough to admit that they do have an other, because they do. In Berkeley, they have now Jewish free zones, and all these college groups are changing their bylaws and charters to not... Um, invite speakers who support Israel to the campus. <laughs> that, that's crazy. very mystical because the Jewish American vote is still 65 to 70% left wing. So it, it begs the question, there's either two reasons to account for that. One, there is no Jewish American population in the sense that we traditionally have known for the last 150 years. By that, I mean, there hasn't been a lot of immigration of Jews into the United States from Eastern Europe or Western Europe or Israel. So most Jewish Americans are half Jewish, one quarter Jewish, completely secular, and don't see themselves as Jewish in the sense of Jewish religion or, or preference for Israel or any of that. So they don't vote on issues uh, that have anything to do with Jewishness. So if you're a young, quote unquote, Jewish male in college, and somebody says to you, they're attacking Hasidic Jews in New York, and if you're, if you're an identifiable Jew, you can't go into certain places on the Berkeley campus, or you can't speak at certain universities, it's not going to speak. That doesn't bother me. <laughs> I don't identify with those people. They don't know I'm Jewish. I don't even know if I'm Jewish. That's one explanation yeah. that they don't object. And the other is that for those who do identify as Jewish, they're sort of like the Mexican-American community. They've been democratic so long that they feel this is just a minor detour in an otherwise long history of uh, liberal politics and sanity will return and they just have to stick with them for a while. But it's going to get very embarrassing for them because for years the Jewish community told us, rightly so, that Anti-Semitism was something of the Klan in the South or rural white people uh, up in Idaho or 
uh, the aristocratic blue blood class in Massachusetts, gentlemen's agreement type stuff, quotas at the Ivy League. And now they're understanding that it's almost exclusively a left-wing enterprise. The left yeah. hate, hates Jews, and they hate them because of the Palestinian question. They hate them because Israel is no longer a victim, but powerful, confident. Uh, it's going to be here forever, and they don't like that. And they hate them because it embarrasses them that they want to be left, and all of a sudden their Arab-American brethren or radical Palestinians on campus or blacks and Hispanics look at them and think, no, you're not a victim. You're a white. You're a white oppressor. You're a Zionist. And that means that oh, they, they say to themselves, wow, Israel did this to me. It made it made me uncomfortable. So, And that's why they, they vote for people that hate them. Yeah, they're comfortable with that. Well, let's go ahead and take a break and come back to talk about the Ukrainian war. And we'll change gears completely here. We'll be right back. We're back, Victor. So the war in Ukraine has at least a different, speaking of the state of Israel, they've, they've spied some aircraft that deliver nuclear payload in some of the active air bases for the Russians. And I think that's maybe one thing that's changed. But what's your update on the war in Ukraine? Well, everybody knows that we're now in stage three. The stage one decapitation of the government of Ukraine in Kiev didn't work. And then we went into Verdun in the Somme, the slugging it out as the Ukrainian army hit the border. And then we were told we were in stage three. It was a war of mobility and fluidity as the Ukrainians started capturing large number of exhausted Russians who were poorly supplied. And the United States began giving them intelligence that allowed them to assassinate Russian generals, to conduct raids on the soil of Mother Russia against supply zones, depots, fuel areas and to sink major capital ships of the Black Sea Fleet. and But now, as winter approaches, that's kind of petering out. So we're going to go into a fourth and a very dangerous stage. And we better look at the parties involved because everybody is pushing the envelope. Everybody has an agenda, and they're mutually exclusive. Take the Ukrainians. Their agenda is that they're going to get, as they announce it, every single Russian out of Ukraine and restore it as it was in 2013. That is the 70% Russian-speaking borderlands and areas of Ukraine, which were disputed since 2014 invasion by Putin, will now be Russian-free. And they think that if the United States has given now almost $70 billion, can continue to do that, they can push every Russian on. The problem is this. Vladimir Putin is aware of that, and he feels that he cannot lose this war for a variety of reasons, including his own life. So he's called up 300,000 reserves. Okay, everybody says they're bad troops. Yeah, they're bad troops. Of course, they're bad troops, but you know they're troops, and they're going to be poured into the borderlands by February or March. Second, when Zelensky does these things, increasingly he's reliant on American weapons and intelligence. Translated, that means you and me and everybody are paying Ukrainians to kill Russian generals to go into Mother Russia. 
So Vladimir Putin is now pivoting on his propaganda. He's saying, we're no longer the invaders that had a right to preempt, to protect the borderlands. We're victims and they're attacking Mother Russia. It's just like Charles XII or Napoleon or Hitler. In other words, it's just like Stalin. Stalin in 1939 sent offensive troops into Poland and attacked Poland in concert with Hitler. He was an aggressor. Everybody hated him. He empowered Hitler. He sent him grain. He sent him fuel. Much of the material Stalin sent Hitler was used to bomb Britain during the Blitz, as well as to bomb and attack and absorb France. Okay. And then in 1941, his partner turned on him, right? And so suddenly he was a victim. Well, that's what Putin is now. He, he attacked. He was the aggressor. He's getting pushed back. And now he's the victim. And the victim is very effective propaganda because he's telling Russian people there's been 100,000 casualties and it's bad, but they want to go on to Mother Russia. And in concert with that propaganda, Russia is doing what? It's saying that they would consider tactical nuclear weapons. In fact, he's dropped the adjective tactical nuclear weapons. So what does that mean? You have Zelensky then with these big burly guys on this you know, YouTube clip saying, I'm signing my request to join NATO. Okay, keep that thought in mind while Putin is now saying, and the United States was the first to bomb Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And I'm thinking, yeah, he, we did that. And it saved probably 10 million Asian, Japanese, and American lives because the war didn't go on to 46 and 47. And yeah, what were you doing with the Japanese while we were fighting the people that were the partners of Hitler? You signed a non-aggression pact in April 1941. And so you were friends with them for four years and empowered them. So your ships with Russian flags were going to Portland and Seattle and Oakland and filling up with our free stuff for you. And they were going across the Pacific with your Russian flags on them. And the Japanese fleet and air fleet was just saying, hi, partner. Don't no problem. We're killing these Americans over here on the Iwo Jima and Tarbo, but we're not going to touch you. You're our friends. So, and that's what they're telling us. They have a shameful record. And then they're saying, well, you area bombed. Uh, you bombed German cities and killed civilians. Yeah, we did because you said we had to have a second front. And we weren't able, you know, just being disarmed to suddenly attack Normandy in 1942, like, you know, George Marshall thought he could do. It would be absurd. So we decided to have a strategic bombing campaign. And we started in 42. And guess what? We lost almost 50,000 Americans and the British did, too. And we were told that this was good by the Russians. You know why it was good? because we bombed rail centers as well as civilian centers. We bombed factories that were making munitions that were sent to mostly the Eastern Front. But most importantly, the Russians transferred over 10,000 88 millimeter and larger caliber anti-tank weaponry and used them against us and shot down a lot of planes. And even more importantly, they sent back thousands of Focke-Wolf 190s and BF-109s that had been very effective against Russian tanks, and they sent them back to cover the cities and attack B-17s and B-24s and Lancasters. 
And so mm-hmm. think of that. He's saying, well, you bombed American city. Well, German cities. Yeah, we did. And that saved your rear end because you were able to make enormous gains once Germany effectively didn't have any anti-tank weaponry and they didn't have any air cover because they were busy killing us who were trying to stop their productive capacity that was killing you. So my point is that he's he's got all of these bizarre ideas and he keeps saying he's going to do, you know, area bombing and attacking nuclear weapons. So what he's trying to do is say this. We're not giving up the Russian speaking areas. I have to have a bone in my mouth to go back to the Russian people and explain there's been 100,000 dead, wounded, missing. And this thing was an entire catastrophe. And my message to Russia is I stop the Western proxy. I stop Western decadence. I took the Donbass and the Crimea and the borderlands, and I absorbed them into Mother Russia. And that had not happened. They were disputed. But thanks to me and the, and the bold move that I made, we're going to do that. Okay. And that's not negotiable, he said. And the Ukrainians, remember, are saying, we're going to go and take those back, even if we have to stage raids into Russia and against the Black Sea fleet, which may prompt Putin to act with carpet bombing or not that he could do it very effectively or a tactical or even a strategic nuclear weapon. Okay. And what Zelensky is saying, I want to join NATO for a couple of reasons. One, then every one of you have to come and join my agenda. And maybe we say, we don't quite want your agenda. And then he's saying, if I join NATO. I'm under your nuclear umbrella. And whether you know it or not, San Francisco, Portland, San Diego, you're pledged to the safety of Kiev. So if they let off a tactical nuclear weapon near Kiev, then you have to hit them back with a nuclear weapon. They'll hit you back. We're not, we haven't even discussed this as American people, but that's what we're getting into. And then there's, so those are, then there's the Europeans. It's one thing to give a big speech in the Bundestag, right? that Schultz did at the beginning. Oh, we're going to go and, you know, mine coal. We're going to build leopard tanks and we're going to... No, he hasn't done anything. They've sent very few tanks. They don't have any tanks that run. They can make a beautiful Mercedes-like tank, but they haven't made very many. They haven't sent very much stuff to Ukraine because the whole green scam in Europe was based on plentiful, cheap, reliable, Russian natural gas. That's what they use to produce electricity. That's what they use to power their furnaces and their manufacturing. That's what they use to heat their homes. And that was all. And Donald Trump told them that. And so they're looking at that and they're thinking, hmm, we were pledged to give all of this money and weapons to Ukraine whose economy is in shambles, whose 7 million people are fleeing it to blow up stuff that are Russians, blow up Russians and their stuff, who supplied us all the cheap gas that was essential to A, our economy, and B, to our uh, propaganda that we had a model of a, of a green utopia. And that's, they can't, that's not sustainable. That's an agenda that's not sustainable. So now they're looking at a cold, long winter. And they're saying to themselves, well, somebody blew up this pipeline or this pipeline's not running. Maybe in Putin, I think it was Putin. 
and suddenly we don't have any natural gas, so we're going to have to burn wood or get into heat rooms, uh, and we don't, we can't, we don't have enough batteries or windmills or solar panels in this climate to keep us warm. So electricity is going to go up ten times what it was. We're not going to be competitive exporting goods to the United States or China, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Ukraine did that. That's what they're going to say. Not that Russia did it, because the Germans are going to say, well, you know what? You can make a deal with Russia. You could negotiate away those 70% Russian areas, but they won't. And so Europe will not be on board. Believe me, in February, we're going to see in the news that they're cold and their economies in ruins. And they're going to say, we're not signing up for this. And then we come to the United States. And as I said, when you, he's a nominal leader of the West, Joe Biden, but when he shakes non-existent hands and he talks to non-existent people, and we saw what he did in Afghanistan, then Joe, Joe Biden appears to Vladimir Putin as a joke. And so that's one of the reasons he attacked, because he felt the United States uh, was weak and had fled Afghanistan and Joe Biden was incoherent. Yeah, and then you he know, feels that the United States is a particularly prone to blackmail. He's saying this stuff about you area bombed and you were war criminals because he understands that there's a big strain in the United States. A lot of people believe that they only come alive and get excited when you trash your country and your your history. And he's doing, he's just basically saying what the left does. Hiroshima, you bombed Dresden and Hamburg, that kind of stuff. He's trying that. And then he's trying to threaten us about nuclear weapons. And he's trying to say to the American people, has your country told you, by the way, that your cities are going to be vulnerable to Armageddon because you've decided to be all alone in protecting um, the Ukrainian agenda? And so then we have the left, finally, to complete this sad circle. It's very strange, Sammy, because the left has envisioned this war as sort of an extension of the Russian collusion hoax. But let me be very careful because it sounds absurd, but they feel disappointed that they just knew that Vladimir Putin hacked that election. Remember that? Every, they have that new video out. It says, Elizabeth Warren, he hacked it. Tom Friedman, he hacked it. Adam Schiff, he hacked it. It was all a lie. And then they went into the Ukrainian impeachment. So they were completely embarrassed and ridiculed. And now they're trying to say, see, see, we understood that Putin was evil. He was evil. He hated, he hated Ukraine. He hated the West. He hated us. He was a Donald Trump surrogate. And, and they've channeled this. So today, yesterday's isolationist anti-war left has transmogrified into an interventionist neocon right. That's who they are now. But <laughs> what they don't tell you. They don't tell you is who was the one that first initially cut the deal with Putin? Who's the one that went to Geneva with a plastic red jacuzzi button and pushed it and then mistranslated the word reset and embarrassed herself? I think it was Hillary Clinton. And who was the person who hired Igor Donchenko, a Russian, a Ukrainian Russian citizen? And who was the one that had Charles uh, Donlan over there, Dolan working over in Russia, providing dirt from Russian sor sources to Christopher Steele, who was paid by Hillary Clinton and who was paid by the FBI. And who was the one who invited in the Russians into Syria to look for WMD? Couldn't have been John Kerry, could it? 
And who was the one on a hot mic in Seoul in 2011 said to the Russian president, tell Vladimir, if he'll just give me some space on missile defense, because this is my last election, then I will be, I'll be reasonable on missile defense. Translated, if I'm running for president in 2012, the last thing I need is an embarrassing war with Putin. So I will take missile defense and I will dismantle it in Czech Republic and Poland as we had otherwise planned to enact. And now in exchange for that, I don't want Putin going into Ukraine or Crimea like he went into Asatia in Georgia. I don't want that. And so Putin said, okay, hmm, let me see now. He will get rid of all that missile defense for me. And all I have to do is postpone my, my invasion of Crimea, Crimea until he's elected. That'll even be better because he's weak. I want him elected because he's an appeaser. But that's exactly what happened. So what I'm getting at is the left has been very culpable. And by the way, if we had missile defense as the Bush administration had planned in the Czech Republic and Poland, I think Vladimir Putin would be very hesitant to talk about nuclear weapons because we would have the ability, a much greater ability to knock those missiles down. And by the way, I think it was 2010 or 11 when we sent a drone into Iran. Do you remember that? And it crashed. And who was the person who warned the Obama administration they got a bomb? I think it was Dick Cheney. He said, I bombed that thing and blow it up or they'll reverse engineer it. And guess what we learned now that we cannot believe it, Sammy, that the Russians have been importing and buying very effective, simple, but effective, cheap Iranian re-engineered drones. And they're using them against the Ukraines. And where did that technology come from? It came from the same source that canceled the missile defense that we could use. So the left is just full of contradictions and culpabilities. And I don't think we need to and they see this war as something other than just Ukraine against Russia. It becomes yeah. a holy grail. They've taken all their this all the signs on their yard that two years ago said this house stands for diversity, equity, inclusion. This house stands for transgendered rights. There are no illegal aliens in this house's vocabulary. That's been taken down and now you go by and see these big ukrainian flags free ukraine and so yeah. it's really bizarre well victor you i i want to go back to europe because i've noticed that poland seems to be more supportive of the ukrainians than the other europeans is there any reason for that yes yes poland was invaded in 1921 by the newly founded soviet union fought heroically and won that war. Poland was invaded in 1939 by the Soviet army in concert from the West, South, and North by the Wehrmacht, and they split it in two. And the deal was after uh, the end of World War II, Poland was sold down the river. And that little napkin agreement where we supposedly in the West were able to save Turkey and Greece from Soviet absorption, and we made a deal that Finland and Austria would not be a member of Warsaw Pact or NATO. They would be neutral and disarmed. But as our end of the deal, we gave them 
Romania and Hungary uh, and the Czech Republic and Poland. And they suffered under nearly 50 years of Soviet-dominated poverty. And so, yeah, they have a lot of hatred toward Russia. And that's just the recent history since 1921. But uh, they're no friends of Russia. They are they're terrified of Russia. They know what Russia is like. They know that what Russia is like transcends Vladimir Putin. And so they see an opportunity to do what Lloyd Austin said is the American aim, to weaken Russia to such a degree that it will not be capable of, of repeating this type of invasion. And they want people to go in there and fulfill that dream. But got to remember one thing. when. Zelensky says, I have to have these weapons. I need Starlink information to kill Russian generals. I need American advisors, American helicopters to go in at night and strafe and bomb fuel depots inside Russia. I need an American technician to show me how to use a harpoon missile or a facsimile of such to sink a Russian ship near its own port. That's what they want. But each time we do that, we go a little bit beyond the old Cold War rule in Vietnam or Afghanistan. The old rule was Russia goes into Afghanistan, we give stingers. But we don't, you know, supply really a lot of stuff in there. We don't go in with stuff. And we go in Vietnam and Russia supplies. Russia kind of cheats always because they were lying commies. You know, they had Russian advisors in Korea, pilots probably, probably in Vietnam too. But my point is this, is that we are now more than just using Ukraine as a proxy. We are directly involved in, in intelligence, strategic advice, uh, weapons, weapon training, in killing a lot of Russians. And that's not, that's the beginning. Because when you hear John Bolton say that he wants a no-fly zone, or a lot of people that are, are surrounding the Victoria Newland crowd, that they want a no-fly zone. Now, how can you enforce a no-fly zone without American planes and pirates? You can't. But that's what they want. And they want deeper raids into Mother Russia. And that's what Putin wants, because that gives him a new propaganda. He says... Well, maybe we had to go into Ukraine for a preemptive defensive war, but now that's over with. They're coming into Mother Russia, just like the Germans and the Pole, the French and the Swedes did once. And so drip by drip, we're getting into a situation where uh, no one's really talking about the consequences. Yeah. Well, Victor, we're at the end of our hour. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry to, I, I hope I didn't cut you off on anything there. You did, the but I needed to be cut off. <laughs> All right. Well, you thank decapitated you. decapitated my argument, but it needed to be. <laughs> oh, I hope that's not true. But thank you so much for mostly today we did reflections on the Democratic Party and the and you are very optimistic. You're leading us into a November where people are going to see these things. Yes, I always end now with lies. a final, can I have a final 30 seconds? Don't believe the propaganda, everybody. They always do this, the left. Oh, there's turnouts going to be poor. Oh, the new polls show the Republicans went too far to the right. Oh, Donald Trump said something. Forget it. This is going to be a big Republican win. All you have to do is turn out, vote, volunteer to be a poll watcher, 
donate to your favorite candidate. Just do that because we need a complete tsunami to send them a message, just like in 94 and 2010, only greater. We're starting with more seats than we did in those years. So the chances for a message are much greater. So keep keep confident. Don't listen. Don't give in to your fears. And with that, I would like to thank our listeners and thank you, Victor, for everything today. Thank you. All right. This is Sammy Wink and Victor Davis Hansen, and we're signing off.